Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have a Bible tonight, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6 and 7. Two Timothy chapter one verse six and seven. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Last time I was here on a Sunday evening, we spoke on a subject entitled The Fear of the Lord. That is the reverential awe and adoration of God that draws us into His presence. Not makes us run away. That would be being afraid of God. But no, the fear of God is the awe and the reverence, the worship of God that draws us into his presence. And we saw that when that happens, there's blessing and there's God's presence come and healing comes. To those who fear his name, the son of righteousness arises with healing in his wings. We need a revival of that. We need that today. We need more and more of that. But tonight we're looking at a different type of fear that's mentioned in this passage says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. That fear that restricts, that paralyzes, that makes make irrational decisions. That fear that can adversely affect our health. Now, a small amount of fear, of course, is needed in our lives. If you're walking near a cliff edge, then you think, hang on, I won't go too close. I could fall off the edge. So you make sure you don't. And and so there's a protective, healthy kind of fear in that sense. Or uh, if you buy a busy road, you don't just go stepping out. You check because no vehicle's coming. There's healthy kind of fear. But when that gets out of control, when that begins to take hold of our lives and, and we become irrational and we develop phobias, and, and, uh, then, then that fear becomes very controlling and restrictive. The spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is mentioned here. That, that, that's driven so often by the enemy himself. That's the bad news. The good news, though, we want to get into tonight, it says in verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit like that. But what he has given us is power, love, and a sound mind. So I want to look at the three things that God's given us and how we can receive those things into our lives so our lives might be blessed and our lives might be free from fear. So let's look at these words. It says, God has given us power. Power. 
you read the story of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, how brutal and terrible that was, and yet it was for us, he did that. But the disciples at that time didn't understand that. They should have, but they didn't. And they went and they hid themselves and locked themselves in an upper room. In John's Gospel, in chapter 20 and uh, verse 19, it says there, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. They were terrified. They were scared. They thought, we're going to be next. They won't stop now. They're going to come and get us. You know, even prior to that, um, Peter had he said, oh, Lord, if everyone else leaves you, I won't. But when the time came and when Jesus was being tried and things weren't going well, Peter denied the Lord Jesus. In fact, Jesus predicted that. Before the cock crows twice, you deny me three times. And then when the crucifixion was taking place, he said the disciples forsook him and fled. There's only John that was left standing to be there to comfort the mother of Jesus, Mary, through that ordeal. But the rest had gone. And now here they are in this room. They're, they're locked in for fear of the Jews. But then something happens. There they are in that place of fear. But it says, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he'd said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit two things there this amazing first to the disciples first resurrection appears he's already appeared to Mary Magdalene and appeared to women folk but now to the disciples the risen Jesus comes into that room very much alive because later when Thomas is not there this time but when he's there he says put your finger in my side and, and, and put your, see my nail prints and so on he's very much and he had food with them and He's very much alive, a resurrection body. But two things. Firstly, Jesus says, peace be with you. In the situation of fear, Jesus speaks peace. Peace. Not just any peace, but shalom. The peace of God. It's more than just the removal of adverse circumstance. It's blessing, it's wholeness, it's completeness. That's the peace that Jesus speaks. In this fearful situation, he says, peace, the shalom, the shalom of God be to you. And then verse 22. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Power. Power. Receive power. 
He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Says our text. Power. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus reaffirms this. He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Power. Dynamis. You know, we, it's, it's a Greek word from which we get the English words like dynamo and dynamite. He says, you should receive power. You should be emboldened. You should be courageous under the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you read on in Acts chapter 2, you find that's exactly what happened. These, these disciples that at one time had been all locked up and scared and afraid, there they are. Instead, they're now worshiping and praising, waiting for the promise that Jesus had given of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as they're praising on the day of Pentecost, suddenly there's a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Then there's tongues of fire come upon each of them. And then they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in languages they've not learned. And then they feel thrust out of that upper room. And because of the sound it heard, the thousands had already gathered to find out what was going on. And then they step out. And, and then Peter, this one-time denier of the Lord Jesus Christ, now emboldened by the Holy Spirit, now empowered by the Holy Spirit, Peter stands up and, and preaches that, that great Pentecost message the outcome of which is 3,000 people come to Christ. Wow. A fear-filled man becomes a fire-filled messenger by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't stop there. A little later, they, Peter and John are on their way to a prayer meeting at the temple, one of the regular daily prayer meetings in the temple. And and uh, they see a lame man by the gate, beautiful, and he's begging, and Peter and John say to him, silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have give you, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they take him by the arm, and he jumps up, and he goes into the temple with him, leaping and jumping and praising God. And wow, the result of, of that is as people hear, as Peter shares what's going on, 5,000 become Christians. But the authorities are not happy, so they arrest Peter and John. Make no mistake, those religious ruling authorities are pretty intimidating people. And they rough them up, and they beat them up, and they interrogate them. Were they afraid? Were they intimidated? Were they scared? Well, you look at Acts chapter 4 gives you the answer to that one. Acts chapter 4. It says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they'd been with Jesus. And then we go on and Verse 21 gives you a feel of what goes on. So when they further threatened them, they let them go. Verse 23. Being let go, they went to their own companions 
and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard that, they raised their voice with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And we just jump on down to verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Wow, I wanted to see that tonight. Yes, they've been scared. Yes, they've been afraid. But what's made the difference? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. But of power. Oh, how we need that power today. How we need the power of the Holy Spirit today. You know, we live in a world that's not particularly Christian friendly. We live in a world, we were talking about it with, with Pastor Luke earlier, that is, even in this country, is becoming more anti-Christian. In several parts of the country, there's planned a, a series of evangelistic meetings with the son of Billy Graham, the well-known evangelist, with his son Franklin Graham, But the people who got to hear about it, who went to the venues and said, because he was preaching against sin, in particular reference to homosexuality, but he's preaching actually indeed against all sin. It's not one group we're talking about, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because they put that kind of one and uh, two and two make six together kind of thinking, they moved, they, they, people went and said, look, these Christians are dangerous people, and they've actually canceled the venues in Newport and Sunderland and other places. What am I saying? There's this feel abroad. There is something happening. You think, oh no, this is scary. We don't have to be scared. God has not given us a spirit of fear, of power. I believe in these days it's time for us to speak up, to speak out the love of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel, to share it as it is. As I shared this morning, the time is short. We're living in the end times. The coming of the Lord is soon, is imminent. It's time to speak up. Yes, there will be persecution. They that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The Bible makes that clear. The more godly we get, the more persecuted we get. But it's time to speak up. And we say, Lord, give us power. Give us power that we should be bold and strong. Not intimidated, not scared, not afraid, not the spirit of fear, but of power. How we need the power of the Holy Spirit in these days more than ever before. We say, Lord, fill us again. Fill us again. Oh, as I shared this morning, as we praise, as we thanksgiving, as we worship as we develop a thirst, we draw upon the Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me again. 
empower me. Like the, in Acts 4, when they were threatened, when they were intimidated, the answer was to get together and pray and pray until the place was shaken, until they were all filled and they received the Holy Spirit and spoke with boldness. With boldness. May we do likewise. So that's the first thing. Okay, it says God's not giving us a spirit of, no, no. He's giving us a spirit of love. It's spirit of power. Sorry. And then secondly, love. Spirit of love. You know, as a preacher, you look for any confirmation for your message. And uh, I was just so thrilled when that chorus came up. The power of his love. I thought, yep, thank you, Lord. We're on track tonight. We're on track tonight. And then Luke read from Romans chapter 8. And it says, you know, it talks about a list of all things. But nothing shall separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. But thank you, Lord. I love it. Not just once, but twice. We're getting some confirmations. It's not going to spirit of fear, but power of love. Now, can't let you, the ladies, go into kind of fantasy world for a moment. If I'm permitted to do that. I want you in this, it's all hypothetical. I want you to think for a moment, you're married to an ex SAS special services soldier who has lightning sharp reflexes is skilled in martial arts who's incredibly strong who with his bare hands can disarm any possible assailant and he loves you you're married to him he's your, he's your husband and he's ready to give his life for you and the question is this would I be right in saying you would feel secure in his love okay in this hypothetical situation you say yeah well the bad news is you can't trade the one you've got in for that model But, oh, the sense of, you know, there are people in this world who just, they're looking for security. And they're looking in the wrong places. And, you know, in fact, in the Bible, we see it in John chapter 4, the woman at the well of Samaria, we mentioned her this morning, she'd had five husbands and she's now living with a man who wasn't her husband. You think, well, how did she get like that? Well, she's looking, she felt that, oh, the next relationship, maybe, oh, and she gets to the point where she's not feeling secure, and her relationship is just falling apart, falling apart, breaking down, breaking down. She's looking for security in the wrong place. And people do that. They feel insecure. They're afraid to commit. Past hurts and so on getting in the way. But here's the good news tonight. There's an antidote to all of that. And that antidote is the love of God. Oh, there's no fantasy now. This is reality. This is truth. The antidote is the love of God. You know, human love at its best as an end. Every wedding I've conducted, and I've conducted a good number over the years, 
but every one of them says, until death us do part. There's an end. There's a tendency to inconsistency. Human love can let you down. But God's love, God's love knows no beginning, no end. God's love is consistent, reliable. God's love is a love which loves even the unlovely. God's love is unconditional. God's love is a love that sacrifices for us. How do I know that? It was the love that was revealed at the cross. Romans 5, 8, God commended his love toward us in that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were so unlovely, so far removed from our guilt and sin and failing, he loved us and he went and died for us. He shed his blood for us. He became a sacrifice for us. He took the punishment that should have been ours. He took it in our place at the cross. What? For that we might be forgiven, we might have a relationship with the living God. Wow, thank you, Jesus. And his love, as I say, never, never fails. Nothing can separate us from his love. You know, when they were looking for the Greek word for, for love, the love of God, that is. There are some options out there. There's a Greek word. There's several Greek words for love. One of them is eros, from which we get the English word erotic. So obviously that was not going to be suitable. Then there's a Greek word philia, from which we get the English word philanthropy, love of mankind. That didn't really cut it either. But as the, the writers looking, they came across a Greek word, agape. A love that sacrifices itself. And it's like, that's the closest in language we can get to expressing the love of God. God is love. Eternal, unchangeable. In fact, in 1 John 3 and verse 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. In the letter of Paul to Ephesians, he talks about the love of God in Ephesians 3.19, the love of God that passes knowledge. He says, wow, it goes beyond anything people could think about, dream about, know about. It surpasses all of that. The love of God that passes knowledge. The antidote to, to a life of failing, of insecurity, and all those kind of things is a commitment to saying, God, I give you my life. I receive your love. And to be overwhelmed by that unconditional love of God, to allow that love to envelop you and fill you and come into your life through Jesus Christ, I tell you, that will give us security. 
It's from that basis you can then begin to live life. You can take risks with human relationships. We could let you down, but you can take the risk because you're secure in the love of God. You know, the hymn writers, I believe, got a real grip of that love, although they probably found words difficult to explain it. I think some of those great hymns of the past, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, or here is love vast as the ocean, And so, or love divine or love's excelling and so the list could go on and on security in his love I heard someone speak this week on podcast I was on my exercise bike and, and um, they made a point I thought I hadn't thought of it that way before went right back to the beginning of time creation of male and female, that's what God did, that's what God's word says, and it says that from Adam God formed a wife to compliment him, that's compliment, I always get this wrong way around, spelt with a E, not an I, I hope I got that right, let me explain it, not compliment and say you're an amazing man, you're wonderful, no, a compliment to come and work alongside him, to work with him. And this speaker said this. He said, we often in life refer to, oh, this is my other half. Probably even here, people, oh, yeah, this is my other half. Or, oh, you might be a bit more humble and say, this is my better half. But this speaker said something, I thought, wow, this is great. He says, not two halves, it's two holes. It's not two halves. You didn't get married, you're half and half and you make a hole. No, you're already two holes. He says, when people are secure in God, in who they are, their identity in Christ, realize the plan and purpose of God, and they come, and then they find someone else, and they become a marriage, it's not two halves, it's two holes. So it's actually double strength, complementing each other, working together as a powerful force. And I thought, yeah, it's a subtle difference, but it's an important difference. And you know, I realized, wow, in pre-marriage counseling, one of the key questions we need to be asking, Pastor Luke, when you're counseling people, is ensuring that people are a whole. The people are secure in Christ. Secure in the love of God. Because I predict to you that if people are not, and they enter a relationship, thinking that relationship is going to be the means of making them secure, it may work a little bit, but sooner or later there's going to be problems. Sooner or later because human love and, you know, you know every marriage goes through its moments of difficulty, challenges, that's how love grows. When we're secure in God, love can grow. We can pray that through and get through. But if there's not that, then that's where the difficulties really start to arise. Because people are trying to find security in another person. You can't find security in another person. You find security in God. When you've got security in God, then you can enter relationships with people 
And yeah, there will be ups and downs, but you can get through those difficulties because you're first and foremost secure in God. I hope you get that. I, I was sort of working on this this week. I only heard that this week. I wrote written this message. I thought, oh, I've got to put that in somehow. But I believe it's a powerful and true point into world, today's world. Yes, secure in the love of God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power. Oh, we need His power. He gave us the spirit of love. Lord, we need more and more of Your love. Envelop us, overflow us with Your love. Let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Show me love, Your love, divine love, pure love, holy love, more and more. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of, love, of power, of love. And then the third one, it says here in Timothy, and of a sound mind. And of a sound mind. I'm sure I don't need to remind you because I've taught it so much in the past. But the battlefield, the battleground is the mind. Is the mind. It started, since we're quoting Genesis tonight, it starts actually back in Genesis 3. And Satan in the guise of that serpent comes and he comes to Eve. It must be said that Adam was standing by her. Um, He comes to Eve and he comes what with? Doubt. Has God said? Lies. You should be as God. Oh, look at that fruit. Lust. He comes and... uh, you're undermining God's word. Doubts, lies, lust. There's a battleground. And things haven't changed. Come sowing seed thoughts in. Doubts causing people to believe something that's not true. Some people, one word, it becomes a stronghold, a thought that becomes captive in their minds, and so on. there's good news tonight God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power of love of a sound mind in fact the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16 we have the mind of Christ in Philippians 2 it says let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus wow God wants to radically change our mind in Romans 12, verse uh, 1 and 2, Paul says this, I beseech you therefore by brothers in the, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or spiritual worship, some versions say. Here's a verse. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow. The Bible is saying something here that hey, maybe your mind struggles with thoughts, it struggles with things but hey, it says there's a the real possibility through God to have our mind transformed. To find ourselves in that place where we have the mind of Christ. As the Bible says, 
how do you go about transforming this transformation by the renewing of your mind? Well, you don't go to a CBT specialist, a cognitive behavioral therapy specialist. Although they're actually using a biblical technique. They get you to look at things in a different way. If a glass is, is uh, just up to half with, with water, oh, the person says, oh, it's half empty. No, this is half full. And, you know, that's making CBT sound very simple, but it's more to it than that. But it, it's getting you rethinking, looking at things differently. You think, well, when I first heard about that, I thought, that's a Bible idea, actually. The Bible says about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. But hey, thank God we don't need to go to a psychologist or therapist to do that. We just need to meditate, do biblical meditation. We need to get into the Word of God and renew our mind. You know, you've heard me say often here, I'm so blessed. I still do this nearly every day. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul lists several things that we are in Christ. He says we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. And then he goes on to list what the spiritual blessings are that are now ours, that we haven't got to wait for them, they're now ours. I'm not doing a Bible study right now, but I'm just going to run through them quickly. He says, you're chosen. Chosen by the living God. Every day I can, in the middle of my prayer time, I can say, thank you, Lord, I am chosen. Even before the foundation of the world, you loved me, you saw me. I'm not an accident, I'm not a mistake. I might be anything spectacular, important as far as this world's hierarchy is concerned, but hey, I'm chosen by the living God. How are we going to speak that and say that? I'm adopted into God's family. Wow. When you understand the ancient adoption, it's something very powerful. With someone who is just a nothing and nobody, a slave, is then adopted and made a son and an heir, or daughter and heir, if you like. I think, hey, I'm adopted. I've been given the spirit of adoption. I've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but I've received the spirit of adoption whereby I can cry out, Abba, Father, God is my Father. I can confess that. This is how you renew your mind. I can say, I'm accepted. The next word you come across, accepted by grace. Thank you, Lord. You don't sort of look at me and think, no, you failed there, you messed up there. You're in detention for a few weeks. And then perhaps you can come to church again. No, 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 no. You're accepted. God says, hey, you're my child. My grace reaches out to you. My undeserved love, kindness, favor. Wow, recognize you're accepted in the beloved. Don't keep saying you're unworthy. You are worthy because of my blood that was shed for you. Then the next thing that Paul says in Ephesians 1, you're redeemed. Redeemed means to be bought back and what God has done through Jesus on the cross, through what he did for us, he's brought us back from the slavery of sin. We're now God's special possession. I thank you, Lord. I am redeemed. Your blood. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then, one of the other things Paul says there, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. God's mark is upon you. His seal is upon you. The Holy Spirit who enables you, who empowers me 
You know, and those things, if you want to shorthand them, C-A-A-R-S, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, sealed. But each day, you renew your mind by declaring those things. It helps you stand in front of the mirror and say, you know, shoulders back, I'm chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, sealed. As you think of those things, pray over those things, meditate over those things, unpackage what they mean spiritually and declare them, speak them, study them, begin to do Bible study on them more and more. Wow, I tell you, before long, your mind will be transformed. Your mind will be renewed. By doing that kind of thing, you begin to recognize, I have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Jesus. We overcome the evil one by the word of God, by the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. As we fix our minds on him, the prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 26 and verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. You'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, who's fixed on you. Hallelujah. In Philippians 4, verse 6, in closing, Paul says, May the peace of God which passes all understanding. He's already talked about the love that passes knowledge. Now it's the peace that passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, tonight, God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us power. He's given us love. God's love. He's given us a sound mind. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, Go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk Have a great day.